Hey, Al McCoy here, and you are listening to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. Hey there, and welcome to the Sun's Solar Panel Podcast. Welcome back. I'm your host, Dave King, and today on the show, I'm joined by Zach Harper. Welcome to the show, Zach. Thanks for having me, Dave. Sure. Zach, uh, just so you, in case you guys don't recognize his name, he's pretty famous, but in case you don't recognize his name, <laughs> he's a writer for The Athletic these days, uh, radio host on Sirius XM, and yep. podcast host. Uh, do you still do down, Count the Dings these days? Yep, Count the Dings. So we've got uh, Cinephobe, which is a podcast I do with Amin Al-Hassan, where we uh, oh, watch means one of poorly my rated. Yeah, he, he used to be. Then I talked to him almost every day, and now he's no longer one of my favorites. So uh, he's uh, he's a monster <laughs> that needs to be stopped. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, Amin and I wa- watch bad movies, and then we try to figure out if they're actually good or not on this uh, podcast, Cinephobe. And then we've got a uh, podcast for The Athletic and radio and all that stuff, yeah. Yeah, that that is awesome. Um, I'm personally, I know, I mean, personally, I've met him at, at Suns games for years, and and uh, he's a great guy. He 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 pisses off Suns fans though, so we're we're okay yeah. if you're mad at yeah, him. Yeah, he really does. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, I I've been a long time follower of your work, and uh, you know, everything I read from you, I I love it, even though you, you are uh, traditionally a very big skeptic of the Suns organization and specifically Devin Booker. Did you get that straight from Amin or did you develop that yourself? (laughs) Am I a skeptic of Devin Booker? Everyone who doesn't absolutely think Devin Booker is all NBA superstar, future hall of fame is a skeptic. I think I've, I voted him all NBA, like for the official awards. I don't know what more I can do. You did. Yeah. Nice. Maybe yeah. I'm just see, you know, it's like uh um old impressions never change. So thank you for yeah. letting me know on that. Yeah. Uh, right. no, I think there's this weird thing with Suns fans where I was asked years ago. <laughs> yeah. I was asked years ago, why isn't about. why isn't Devin Booker universally accepted? And I said, Well, with a lot of guys who are in his position, good stats on a bad team, people yeah. start wondering, is he a looter and a riot? And yeah. for some reason. Suns fans on Twitter, I guess, don't know how to read or don't like to read. And so they started saying, oh, you think he's that? I was like, no, you're you're asking me why he's not universally accepted. I'm not universal acceptance. I'm answering the question. We went through it with Kevin Love. We went through it with Andre Drummond. We went through it with pretty much any good player on a horrible team for a bad franchise, which the Suns were for about a decade. And that's the the question. We don't even contest the bad franchise part. Right. But um, you heard it here first, or not first, but most recently, folks, Zach Harper is the originator of Looter and a Riot. That's I'm not the, even the, of the originator <laughs> of it. I'm just saying, like, I I find it interesting that people, I was asked a question of why isn't he universally accepted? And and I said, oh, this is probably why, because that's what people wonder with, with guys like this. And that became me thinking he's a looter and a riot, which I j- actually said when asked, do you think he is? I said, no, I don't. But that's why. Like you but put those up words bad, in a it- sentence. You know how fake news is these days. <laughs> well, for sure. Yeah, I know. Hey, man, I'm just having fun with you. you you're uh, like I said, I, I have a high level of respect for you. I love I mean to um, even if the Suns fans, uh, uh, ha- you know, are a little skeptical uh, right now. You are working on season previews with the athletic. I am. Uh, and I, I love, again, I love your work. Uh, the, the depth you go into on the athletic is, is Thank really, you. really great. You, you break down each of the teams, you break down each of the uh, positional areas on whether they improved or not. 
and whether you think they're getting better this year. You're about halfway through the league, I'd say, probably around. Yeah, I think the- we I think we just crossed the halfway point. I think Memphis, either Memphis or Boston, was the halfway point of these of this preview. And so uh, Memphis just came out yesterday. Boston comes out today. So I think yeah, we're about halfway. Yeah, and so <clears throat> obviously, and you're working backwards from how they did last year. So the right. Suns are coming up later uh you're you're expecting that'll probably publish uh next week or the week after i believe the end of next week or the beginning of the of the week after i can't remember how it's ordered but yeah it's i think it's either late next week or or right after that okay that puts it right close to training camp time yes so well good you know what for the first time in 10 years the suns would not have already been covered in your season this this you know years ago last few years this would have been old news already we would have been weeks (laughs) late on this now now the luxury of being a good team being a, a great team really that's awesome that's awesome okay so uh, for the for the listeners here who don't uh, subscribe to the athletic, by the way, you really should. Even though Phoenix area lost the athletic regional um, uh, coverage this past year, the um, on the national level, these guys are these guys are unparalleled. It's really worth your your investment. I'm still subscribed myself. Um, you list out <clears throat> what you do is you list out several team status options that you're using. Uh, which uh, do you know yet? Because you are working on all of them um, at varying stages, do you know yet how you're going to categorize the Suns this coming year? Yeah, so I I've got them as brink of contention, um, with the goal being contender, right? And I know it's it, that may sound kind of disrespectful because they just came out of the NBA Finals, but I think for a lot of these teams, unless it like I think I have very few contenders in this moving forward just because there is a hierarchy of like if everyone's healthy Mm -hmm. this is how it looks um i think suns fans probably won't be happy about that but there is just a question of like all right they've had this success in the first year chris paul always has like this big boost in the first year after that there is a little bit of a of a waning with his personality kind of kind of grinding rubbing, yeah grinding guys down and so i am curious how that's going to work with the suns team they seem to be such a good place as a as a unit in terms of liking each other that i i don't anticipate that being a, a long-term issue at least with the next couple of years being long-term for chris paul um but i i do think like there's there's just a little bit about that where i'm like okay i'd like to just pull back a tiny bit and see but yeah they're basically brink of contention slash contender uh, let me uh, letting you in on it in our earlier conversation about Suns fans. This is also uh, along the same lines right here. We are our own worst critics. Yeah, but we can't stand it when somebody else is a critic outside right. the region. It's, it's the area. whole like you can't say that about my other <laughs> I can kind of thing. Like, exactly. Yeah, sure. yeah. So none of us think they're absolute contenders, except for the most optimistic and the ones who are listening to this right now are probably going, "That's me." Uh, but most <laughs> Suns fans would put them on the brink of contention as well. And it's just an approve it mode. Uh, We were all skeptical of Chris Paul's impact on the team in year one, because the team was so young and so uh, undisciplined on winning, we'll say. And Chris Paul holds you to that standard every single second of every day. So my, my question on Chris Paul coming into season two now with his, is basically his, his retirement contract on the books is, a, will he be as focused this year going forward? And B, will the team be as responsive? I, I feel like the answers to both of those are yes, but we have to wait and see. Yeah, and I think like the tricky part of that is we didn't get the honeymoon 
or what happens after the honeymoon phase with OKC, right? And we've gotten that every yeah. step of the way with him, but we didn't get that because they just shipped him out because they wanted to, you know, go all tank all the time. And so with with that, like now we will see that with the Suns. And maybe the honeymoon phase at lasts two years, three years. Who knows? Like it, it's typically about a year and then you know, guys are just like, oh my God, this guy, this dude is on me all the time. We're good. I'm good. We're winning. Like, what's the big deal? But he's like, he's someone I would say is psychotically competitive. And I mean well, that as a compliment, you know, he, here's where I'm hoping. Absolutely. And we, and we saw it. We saw, I mean, he yeah. was, he was arguing, um, you know, in, in a, in a productive way, he was arguing with just about everybody from day one. Here's where I am hoping and putting my faith on the fact that he's not going to wear everybody out. Um, with one possible exception, but you know what? I was a skeptic a year ago, and he proved me completely wrong. But Chris Paul, the, here's the thing: they won every time, every in the way he said they would win, yeah. and they got all the way to the finals, regardless of what you think about other teams facing injury issues and things like that. They succeeded with him, so it's not like you come in year two going, "Man, that didn't get us as far as I wanted to go." So maybe I've got a better way. Nobody still has a better way of getting to the finals than the Chris Paul way. Monty Williams is a huge believer in Chris Paul, Devin yeah. Booker. And here's the other part. Devin Booker is a disciple of Chris Paul. There's no one's going to let uh, any, as soon as Chris Paul gets out of your face, Devin Booker gets into your face. Yeah. He is learning how to be a leader from Chris Paul and he is just soaking it all up. He said several times last year, I, uh, I just watched Chris Paul walk around and, and how he carries himself and, and what he does when he's not even speaking, which is rare. But uh, that's, that's what guys are learning from. The one I'm always skeptical of is, is, cause he gets so much flack is Deandre Aiden. Mm -hmm. He's got a chill, I, you know, I'd be on a beach if I wasn't playing basketball attitude. And yet he's so talented that Chris Paul's on his butt all the time. And uh, Aiden responded so beautifully last year, even when he was playing terribly. Like yeah. Aiden went through a bad stretch last year where he didn't, he didn't know right from left. He didn't know, uh, you know, um, any angles pr properly on the pick and roll. <clears throat> anyway, you're the guest. I'm going to stop rambling. Um, so let me, <laughs> Uh, let's go through of the, and what, what we're going to do here today is we're going to go through some of the teams that you've done already previous sure. for, and talk about your, your feelings about them coming up and some of the other teams that are coming that are not the Suns. And then when we get to the Suns, we're going to go through kind of a mini version of your, of your season preview and talk about each of the positional areas and yeah. whether they've improved or not. Does that sound good to you? Yeah, for sure. Let's do it. All right, man. Okay, so um, in the Pacific Division so far, just the Suns' own division, which divisions don't really matter anymore, but still, uh, I'm I'm old, so I, I still uh, cling to who's in my division, sure. whether it matters or not. You've done so far just the Warriors and the Kings. Right. The Warriors, you've got a B plus offseason playoff hopeful, and the Kings, a B offseason, and in the category you're calling tired of rebuilding, which is less than the category of playoff hopeful. Yes. So has basically since both of these teams were that this past year, do you see their seasons going dramatically different than last year? Um, I mean, I think the Warriors will be really good. Um, I don't know about like contention, but I, I, I just look at the Warriors and Steph was magical last year. Um, Draymond Green was someone who I, I kind of regret not voting him defensive player of the year 
Um, I really struggled with that vote between the three of Rudy Gobert, Ben Simmons, and and Draymond Green. And when it was all said and done, like kind of a month away from the season, I thought to myself, I should have voted Draymond Green. Like he would like you look at what he did and what that team was. That's a top five defense. They have no business being a top five defense last year. Um, and and that's all him. And so those two are a special level um, within their respective roles that you just can't account for anywhere else. They'll get Clay back, I don't know, late December, early January. Hopefully he's back to himself offensively by February. And then from there, that second half of the season, it'll be really interesting to see how they go. Wiggins played the best ball of his career last year on both ends of the floor. I thought he was spectacular for him. Um, and they've brought in a bunch of like good veterans to kind of increase the basketball IQ of this team. They still are going to have James Wiseman, Jonathan Kuminga, and Moses Moody trying to figure things out on the fly. Um, and so that will be interesting because I do think at least Kuminga and, and Wiseman will get regular minutes. But everywhere else, like I just think that they've, as long as they're healthy, they've increased the, the basketball IQ. And that's the key with playing with Steph is you have to know how to play with Steph. And for young guys, that took a while for them to figure out. Um, for the veterans that they brought in, I think that'll be a lot easier. And then the Kings side of it, I mean, it's it's the Kings. Like, I... <laughs> We can try to like, oh, you know, De'Aaron Fox is really good and Buddy Hill can shoot. And like, sure, like individually, there's some nice parts. I think Davion Mitchell is going to be a really good, um, really good player for them. I, Tyrese Halliburton's obviously very good. It would be great if Marvin Bagley of third was able to stay healthy so we could figure out if he's good. Um, and then, you know, I was shocked that they re-signed Rashawn Holmes but because I thought he would go somewhere else. But they were the second worst defense in NBA history last year. Like, I mean, yeah. if you want to talk yourselves into them, go ahead. I'm just... They're one of those teams like the Suns of a few years or, you know, like, you know, a lot of these teams, mm -hmm. you know, Timberwolves are hoping to have high hopes. And I just like, OK, show me until you can, like, consistently show us like there's literally no reason to believe in the Kings. Man, ever since that, uh, gosh, the Game of Thrones version of the of the NBA videos <laughs> yeah. came out, the Sun yeah. Kings episode, yeah. Game of Zones, that was it. Uh, Sun Kings episode. It's it's amazing how the franchises have kind of flipped Too up and down because yeah. they were both at the bottom. Then mm -hmm. the Kings went up and the Suns went down, and now now they're reversing course. Yeah, um, uh, we're just in Phoenix. We're just crossing our fingers and closing our eyes and just wait, you know, hoping well, I, that this lasts for I years think, and years and years. I think like whether they're going to be as good as they were last year, you know. I think so, but I, I don't know for sure. But it, you got to feel good about the core of this whole thing, right? Like, I mean, absolutely. The fact, that, the fact that Robert Sarver actually pays to keep everyone together. We'll see what happens with Mikel Bridges' extension. Um, That's my but, worry. Yeah, because that because he's someone where if I'm his agent, I'm like, mm. you can max me out. Like, I'll get I'll get some I'll get a huge contract somewhere else. If you max me out, then you don't have to worry about it. And that's a lot of money that they would have committed at that point. We'll talk about the extensions here a little bit later because I I, yeah. I I am really curious to pick your brain on that. We'll be right back after a quick commercial break. Week one may be over, but the season's just getting started at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. I don't know if you won money or lost money this first week, but you got 200 bucks if you were a new customer. If you didn't do it yet, do it now. DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when you bet just $1 on any game. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any game. That's promo code TBPN. 
ESPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or PA only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or if you're in Indiana, it's 1-800-9-WITH-IT. So that's the Pacific Division. You've yet to get to the Clippers, Lakers, and Suns, which means those guys are all projected for the playoffs. Uh, what order would you put the Clippers, Lakers, and the Suns at this point? Um, I think a healthy Lakers team I'd put at the top, um, then the Suns, then the Clippers. Even if the Clippers were healthy, I think I'd have the Suns ahead of them at this point. Because at the same time, like I said, the Kings are the Kings, the Clippers are the Clippers. Like They find a way to get in <laughs> their own way, whether by injury or just by blowing a 3-1 lead to the Denver Nuggets in the bubble. Like they, It's just the Clippers find a way. I think the Clippers should be at the top with their talent level, but, um, but Kawhi's hurt and you know, the rest of that team is fine, but it's, it's not good enough to be in contention with the sun. So I think there's a pretty definite gap of like Lakers one, a sun's one B um, clear third for the Clippers. And then the, the Warriors because of the Kawhi injury, the Warriors could end up being third at some point this season. And this is just us talking about the Pacific division. Obviously there's other, other teams like Denver and, and, and yeah. teams like that. Do you see, any other West teams uh, vying for the top spot in the West? Uh, I mean, Utah. Utah's a really tough regular season team to deal with. Um, they have their their own issues in the in the playoffs, but in terms of regular season, like that's just that's a team that's very hard to deal with on random nights. Denver will be up there too, although I don't know if they're even going to get Jamal injury. The Jamal Murray injury, like I think it happened on like he was April twelfth. Yeah, yeah, like that's so. Bad. That's bad. Best case scenario, you get him right before. Yeah. The playoffs and then even like i would sit him the whole year personally if i'm denver mm-hmm. unless he's some kind of like modern medical miracle or you know i i just don't see why you would force that this year but they'll still be really good their their offense is going to be incredible and who knows michael porter jr might make a leap so who's more likely to sit the whole year Kawhi or jamal i think Kawhi just because He's Kawhi, right? With that, that injury history and the load management <laughs> history and injury management and all, whatever, however you want to yeah. brand it. Um, yeah, like he's just someone where I don't see him taking these chances with his body. He's been very careful about yeah. that dating back to San Antonio. And so um, it wasn't it's not a full tear. So that's that's good. I've I've partially torn my ACL. I never came back to the NBA, but you know, it's, we have a little bit different of, of uh, medical history and medical teams. Yeah, <laughs> it was pretty much a go for a while, but um, uh, like I I just expect him to be very careful with it. Whereas Jamal, he's young. I think like I could see him really working hard to try to get back early, and then who knows what happens at that point. Yeah, and speaking of uh, big time injury comes back comebacks, uh, Clay Thompson. Mm-hmm. They're talking generally around December, which is a year since his last injury. Um, are, are, how do you feel about the percent of Clay we're going to see this next year? Yeah, I mean, I think I think offensively he'll be fine. Uh, you know, that mm-hmm. shot that shot doesn't take a whole lot to to get space and get off and and be as you know one of the most pure jump shots we've ever seen and so i think offensively he'll be great um which is that's a huge boost for them because this was a a really bad offense last year even with steph being as great as he was um but defensively like that's the thing about clay right is he does it at an elite level on both ends of the floor he can go out and drop 40 on you and he can go do a good job defensively on devin booker like that's what he can do but 
I don't know how you expect that defense. I mean, even like look, KD, it's a little bit different, but KD this last year, he was great offensively. Defensively, it took him until about the playoffs to really be good on that end of the floor. And so I yeah. just, I don't like offense. I expect him to be at 90%. Defense, like if he's at 50, that's probably a win for the Warriors. I, don't, I just don't know how you project that. And uh, on defense, a 50% clay is basically he's an average guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're looking at like probably like another Wiggins out there, you know, like it was of clay at 50%, which is still fine. It's better than like trying to throw, you know, whatever random wing player they had out there last year, but mm-hmm. it's that's not what you need out of clay. Right. Uh, for the rest of the Western Conference, uh, looks like you've got the Grizzlies as your most playoff hopeful of the other teams you've previewed so far, Grizzlies, mm-hmm. Pelicans, Kings, Wolves, Thunder, and Rockets. Um, how good do you think the Grizzlies will be this year? I mean, I think they're going to be good. Like they've been a, ahead of schedule and they've been above expectations the last two years. I don't expect that to change. Like I, I think we got a taste of what they're like last year when, when there is a little bit of a target on their back, right? Like they're, they people weren't like, Oh no, it's the Grizzlies, but they weren't surprised by the Grizzlies anymore. They had seen it the previous year. Mm-hmm. Um, the key for them is just going to be can Jaron Jackson Jr. be healthy because we really don't like he and stay like, out of foul trouble, right? Stay out of foul trouble. But like he was like, even if he was in foul trouble every game, like as long as he's in every game, you're getting 20 to 25 yeah. minutes of elite defense and a guy who can stretch the floor. Um, and this is already a really good defensive team. They, if, if they're healthy, they could be the best defense in the league. I, I think they're that good. Taylor Jenkins does a phenomenal job. Everyone buys in, despite it being such a young team, which is so rare. Um, and and I, I'm interested to see, like, where does Ja Morant go in his, in his third season? Like, what does that look like? Um, because teams are now going to give him the Rondo treatment of just like, we're playing way off you. We don't respect your jumper. Like, you have to do something. And how does he adjust that? He doesn't necessarily have to hit threes. Um, he doesn't even have to take them, but giving him full vision of the court and seeing how he reacts to that, that will probably tell the tale of just how good they are offensively. But yeah, I think this Grizzlies team, um, they might end up in the play-in tournament again just because of the numbers game in the West, but mm-hmm. I would be shocked if they don't make it through the play-in tournament and end up at least with the 7 or 8 seed. All right. Okay, um, I have a uh, curveball for you because this isn't exactly what your uh, previews covered, but for, I don't know, is it 20 years now? The West has been, hey, whoever comes out of the West is almost certainly going to win the championship unless right. it's a surprise. Right. And the East was always, oh man, the bottom half of the East playoff picture is just a mess and maybe half of them will be losing records and all that. <clears throat> has that switched a little bit to where now the presumptive favorites for the championship, uh, barring the Lakers having the most perfect possible season, uh, it, the presumptive championship uh, would go to either the Nets or the Bucks this year, and several of the other East teams are considered really, really good. Yeah, I mean, I, it's funny because I feel like, at least on Twitter the last three or four years, it's been like, hey, the East is good again, and then they're not, right? Like, you have some right. good teams, but it's not... This right. is the first year where I think you'll actually look at that and be like, oh, this is truthful. Like, you have yeah. you know, eight to ten good teams in the Eastern Conference, finally, and, and you're not just pulling guys and trying to get a, get an eight, you know, an eight-team playoff out there. Um, but it's it's weird to me that the Bucks are so 
undervalued right now and that they're like they're almost overlooked because of the Lakers and because of the Nets in their own conference obviously um, but I don't feel like anyone's really even put pressure or raised questions like can they repeat are they going to be good enough like like I think they won the championship and then people are just like all right whatever like let's go look for the stars again and and look at you know the I mean the Suns are going through that a little bit with the Lakers right Suns win the West yeah. and now they go, Lakers go out and get Westbrook and they go get Melo and Malik and all that and like and now people are like, oh, yeah, Lakers, like, here we go. And even I'm guilty of that, too. But the Suns are very, very good, like one of the elite teams. And so the, the Bucks are going through that almost a little bit more disrespectfully because they are the defending champs. But, yeah, everyone's just looking at Brooklyn saying if they're healthy, that's the team coming out of the East. And everyone's saying, oh, if the Lakers are healthy, that's the team coming out of the West. And everyone else is just kind of kicked aside. Like, what the hell? Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> Which maybe okay. that, that's a good thing, right? Maybe you can play the, like, no one believes mm-hmm. in this car. Like, teams love to do that. And so that might be the way to, if you're the if you're the Suns or the Bucks, like, that may be the way to kind of avoid the the next year hangover. Like, and we yeah. were right there. Yeah, if, if everyone's kind of dismissing it, saying, oh, well, injuries did this and injuries did that, you can use that. And I guarantee Chris Paul and Monty Williams will try to use that in Devin Booker too, right? He's, he's every second of every day. Yes. They've got to have something because the, because there, there are guys, young guys on the team. That was their first playoff run for the Suns, And they went all the way to the finals almost. And they felt like they went through some adversity too. Now, of course the teams they played against went through their own adversity. Yeah, but, but that's such a such a tired thing. Like I get it. Yes, Anthony Davis went down. Yes, this guy got hurt. That guy there are injuries every single playoffs. Like we exactly. only focus and the on Suns faced their like own injuries. Down. Yeah. Chris exactly. Paul literally played with one arm in right. the first round against the, he was not Chris he Paul against dribble. the Lakers. He couldn't dribble like Chris Paul. He was, he was, I don't think he was like, dribbling yeah. like me on a court. <laughs> Jeez, and, yeah. and oh, so that I, was I the hate first. That. I hate that dismissal. Yeah, they like they made it. They made the finals. Like, get over it. They did. They yeah. they played who was in front of them. Like, that's all you can do. And they did a good job. So these guys are their first playoff run. Um, they battled through every adversity they faced with Chris Paul being out. Devin Booker breaking his nose. He almost never drove to the rim after his nose was broken in three places. Mm-hmm. I mean, the very next game, he said, "I had no idea how many times my face gets hit in a in a game." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> until until have you now. Ever, have you ever have you ever tried to play with a broken nose before? It's yeah, awful. no, you don't. You don't. It is yeah, it's terrifying. Like I you yeah. really don't realize how much you get hit in the face. You constantly do. Yeah. Especially if you're driving into the in, driving into the rim. So uh Booker went uh, turned into just a Landry Shamit kind of. Um oh. speaking of that, as far as that, obviously <laughs> extremely yeah. talented offensively, but um, he did not drive anymore. And so the, the Suns face those avert. And I'm worried a little bit about the young guys thinking they've got it easy and, and Chris Paul having to whip mm-hmm. them into shape. But luckily you've got Chris Paul and he carries the whip every day. Right. Um, so let's, uh, let's talk about the Suns now. Let's move on to that. Um, <clears throat> if you gave the Suns an off season grade overall, uh, what would you say you'd give it so far? Um, I would say probably like an a minus like i i think that i would have liked them to address their interior issues a little bit more than just javel mcgee although i think he's he's more of a good role player now than than the punchline we were used to him being like like he's he's good he's like for 15 minutes a game off the bench like he's a he's a really good option um i guess I don't think you can expect Dario to to be back next season. Like I think that's that's unreasonable. Like so, there was so some post on a European site that 
Reddit found from Dario's father mm-hmm. who says something like Dario's going to be ready by Christmas, but you know, everyone's optimistic I mean, yeah, in the off season. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's, that seems extreme to me based on what I know about ACL injuries, <laughs> but uh, yeah. you know, I love the optimism, right? If it keeps them working hard and, and rehabbing that, that's great. Um, but so I think, I still think there are some holes. I, I mean, maybe like, you know, they can play big with, or they can play small with Jay Crowder playing big. And, you know, there, there's some ways to get around that. But, um, and maybe Jalen Smith, right? Maybe Jalen Smith comes through and, and has a role in, in, in the next year. But I, I do think like there's still some, some issues interior wise, um, especially mm-hmm. if, if DeAndre, DeAndre Aiden gets into foul trouble in any given game or, or God forbid he gets hurt, you know, then, then I think you've got some issues there. But like the fact that they kept everybody together. Um, the fact that they brought back campaign, I thought mm-hmm. campaign was going to be a casualty of just like not spending, right? I thought he was going to go out somewhere, make the mid level exception, and they were going to have to bring someone else in. I'm not a huge Alfred Payton guy. I don't think he's, I don't think he's very good for what he's been asked to do. But as like the third point guard now, maybe that's just good insurance. Um, Landry Shamit is someone that I think people really want to be excited about every time their team acquires him, and there's just always something missing. He's just he's he's a great shooter who shoots well. Um, he's a guy who can't really handle the ball, but a lot of coaches have asked him to do that. And he's a guy who can defend within the team concept, not a great on ball defender. Um, but outside of that, like, yeah, like I think them just bringing everyone back feels like a huge win and feels like a a very positive grade for me. Uh, okay. So let's go through each of the positional areas because I really like how you've laid out your articles, uh, lead guards. You talked. You touched on Alfred Payton a little bit. Yeah, the Suns are bringing back Chris Paul and Cameron Payne. Uh, Cameron Payne, even though he's 27 years old now, I feel like this is like his second chance at life, and he's figured out um, how to play successfully in the NBA and be, mm-hmm. and and help contribute to a winner. And now Alfred Payton comes in as the third guard. Uh, while none of us love Alfred Payton, he had 19 game stint with the Suns a few years ago. That oh, that's um, right. came before that. we were ready to move on from him. So <laughs> yeah, that's usually uh, how it goes. He's not. He's not a dude. <laughs> you gotta love. But uh, Monty Williams' third guard, third lead guard a year ago was basically Etwan Moore because yeah. Javon Carter couldn't run an offense. Langston Galloway is a shooter only. They didn't have really a good third guard. So um, Payton feels like he's got to be better than Etwan Moore, right? Yes, I mean he he you know Etwan can can shoot and and Peyton can't. Um, he just didn't turn the ball over. Was Etwan's yeah. big thing? Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, Alfred can legitimately like run an offense. You know, so that that's a that's a positive. Um, he's not going to give you any kind of like can, like efficient scoring, but he can he can run an offense like defensively. It's not it's not great for a guy who's supposed to be an okay defender, and so mm-hmm. uh, you know you lose something. Obviously, going from you know Etwan Moore, Javon Carter to to him defensively, but like again, for as long as Chris Paul's healthy, as long as Campaign is healthy, um, like as a third point guard, like you can do a lot worse than Alfred Payton. All right, and then with the so you'd say they improved then, um, or just kind of stayed the same? I'd th- I'd say stayed the same just because I I'm a I do like the roles that Carter and and Moore fill for the most part and i and i'm and i do have some skepticism with with peyton so i'd say it's it's pretty much like no change in terms of the talent okay um along the wing is where you get into the acquisition that went really under the radar and i just don't know what to expect but basically the uh acquisition of landry shamit to be 
Devin Booker's primary backup at shooting guard. And then the recent signing of Chandler Hutchison to uh, a two-way contract and um, going out are just basically Langston Galloway and Tyshawn Alexander. Cause I'm going to classify Tory Craig as a forward, at least for this yeah. uh, grouping. What do you think about their, uh, what they did at the wing there? Um, I like it. So the, that's the thing, like I mentioned earlier with Shamit is everyone's always excited. Like Philly was super excited to get him uh, yeah. when they drafted him. The Clippers were very excited to trade for him. You know, the Nets were excited to trade for him. Like everyone is always very excited about the idea of Landry Shamit. The reality has not been what you hope for. Um, he's a guy who just, he can't really handle the ball at all, which you can say, well, he's just a three and D guy. Like he doesn't have to, you do have to though. You have to be able to, attack a closeout you have to be able to push the ball up the floor um you know in transition like you there's just certain things you've got to do that he's not good at um and and it, it doesn't really seem to have any kind of progression that you can see there but he can shoot the ball and whether he makes it or not teams are afraid of leaving him open his his reputation as a shooter brings hesitation and if you bring hesitation against you know the weapons that you know or defending the weapons that the suns have like that's that's a win, right? You give them an extra half second of, of time to make a move, then then that move is going to be even more lethal. And so the idea of him will work. I'm curious like what Monty can do with him defensively because he's been in some situations before where, you know, he like, hey, you expect him to be a better defender than he is, and it just hasn't happened yet. But, you know, he's also bounced around a lot if he can get his feet wet. I do think Monty is very good at, at bringing guys along into that system and asking what to do. Having Chris Paul there to be on him as long as he's receptive to it will help. Devin Booker being on him will be receptive to help. Him going against Devin in practice, whenever they practice, especially for training camp, like that's going to be a huge benefit to him. It's it's going to look like, you know, I, I think um, I was watching I was watching the Rams game uh, on Sunday night, and there was a mention of Matthew Stafford saying, like, I get to go against this defense every day in practice. And it may and it makes yeah. it look so much easier for me, right? Uh, when we get to the games, and that's because the Rams have the, or at least last year had the best defense mm-hmm. in the NFL with the with you know Landry Shamit going against Devin Booker every single day in practice. Like it, there are going to be a lot of nights where then he has to go defend someone else, and it's going to be like, oh, this is easy. I don't have to go. You know, I'm not going against Book every day. Like this <laughs> yeah. is this is great. So I do think there's something to that that can improve him defensively. But yeah, like I. I like the idea of the acquisition here in Phoenix with Landry Shamit. Just like every prior I, team. I liked it everywhere else too. Though. Yeah. 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 Uh, rank these players. So, so to give us context here in Phoenix, and what's your impression of ranking these players fit as that role of backing up Devin Booker and potentially hmm. being playing next to Devin Booker as the lead uh, with Booker playing the lead guard. Um, Langston Galloway, Etwan Moore, Landry Shamit. Um, I'd probably say I like Etwan Moore a lot because he's he feels low risk. So I'd say probably Etwan Moore, Landry Shamit, Langston Galloway. Langston really doesn't do a whole lot outside of shooting, right? Like he he just like right. you'd like him to do a lot more, but you don't just need a shooter to back up Devin Booker. You need someone who can do a little bit more. And so yeah, I think I would go more Shamit. Um. Galloway, but that more Shamit thing again. The, if it's the idea of Shamit, it's higher, but just the application of him has not been there <laughs> yeah, yet. So I'll, yeah. I'll just put him a little bit lower than each one. Okay. Now, okay. So I'm going to ask you a question because the only other thing that happened on the wings for the Suns 
is that they let two-way young uh, 22, 23-year-old Tyshawn Alexander go. And then they signed a mini veteran in Chandler Hutchison um, after he'd been released by the Spurs. He still gets his mm-hmm. full Spurs contract after right. that trade from the Wizards, after that trade from the Bulls. Um, Chandler Hutchison gets a full year contract. And then he signs on with the Suns as a two-way. And with the new two-way rules, you can play in up to 50 games. So you're basically mm-hmm. third string, right? I mean, right. Uh, uh, there's a lot of guys who don't get in 50 games and they have a full NBA contract. Right. So exactly. for the Suns, that's a good deal. For Chandler Hutchison, what, what do you think about him? Do you think, A, did the Suns use a two-way contract properly? And B, is Chandler Hutchison the kind of guy they should take a flyer on? Um. I don't mind taking a flyer on him. Uh, there is talent there. Um, yeah, he just—he's not much of a playmaker. He's not much of a shooter, and so Man. he's a big guy for for a wing, especially by today's standards, with everyone going so so much smaller. And so I I like the idea of Chandler Hutchison kind of the same way. I like the idea of um, of Landry Shamit, but um, but yeah, like I. I would probably use a two-way on more of a G League prospect than than someone who's kind of bounced around a little bit at this point and is you know a quote-unquote failed first-round pick. Um, but I also just think that that's a an easier way of of going about it. We we are seeing more teams kind of go with a Chandler Hutchison type of two-way guy um, this offseason. I think they're going to try to like exploit that you know, that, that cost effectiveness, um, mm-hmm. you know, in, in terms of just like you, using it on a high upside guy, like he's a higher upside guy than I think a lot of those G league guys are, but I think also think his floor is a lot lower. So I, I don't mind the signing. They probably could have used that better though. Yeah. We'll have to see. I mean, it, it's, 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 I mean, we're, we're talking in a vacuum here of what's the best you can do with a two way, Generally, your two-way players aren't going to play for the big club anyway. Um, right. So that that does beg a larger question. Okay, uh, you already touched on JaVale McGee. So I would say, uh, would you just in general, would you say the Suns improved in the bigs area or stayed about the same because they lost Dario? Basically, Dario's out most of the season. Yeah, I mean, they probably they probably even you know, declined a little bit just because Dario is so much more versatile. But um, but when you get into the playoffs, I would say that just for the regular season, when you get into the playoffs, you're going against the front line of the of the Lakers or you're going against Jokic or, you know, whatever that whatever that matchup ends up being as you get deeper and deeper in or you're going against uh, the Jazz with Rudy Gobert. I Although you, you want to go small to play him off the court um, as yeah. we've learned the last few years. But, uh, yeah. but having that actual big body instead of the versatile big body, that would probably... Pl- pay off for them better in the postseason. It's just getting through the regular season. I like the idea of Dario out there more. Um, so I, I think there's a slight decline, but I mean, they did about as well as you could for the money available. All right. Thanks. Okay. So let's do a time check here. Um, about how much time you got left for me? Today? Oh, whatever. I got you, some yeah, questions. I, yeah. You good? Yeah, yeah, you're good. Yeah. Oh, you're good. awesome, man. Excellent. This is fun. Thank you so much for your time. So yeah. we've got I've got a few other questions now outside of the previews area. Let's talk about um <clears throat> DeAndre Ayton and Mikel Bridges are still pending extensions. And they've got there's there's various opinions on whether um DeAndre Ayton in particular 
should get a, you know, what kind of extension he should get versus a center in general. What kind of rookie extension should they get? And is he different? Mikel Bridges, um, do you pay him based on his VORP and, and all of his, uh, you know, his, his advanced stats, or do you pay him based on the fact that he's fourth or fifth best player on a, on a good playoff team? Uh, you tell me, what, what would you do for Aiden and Bridges in the terms of their extensions if you were Robert Sarver? Uh, I mean, I think you, you're maxing out Aiden. Like that's just that's what the market's gonna be. He goes to restricted free agent. He's getting a max deal. Um, I like you could say yeah, but now I'm paying him a lower max than you know if he if he signs a, an offer sheet and then you match it. I'm paying him a lower max, but there is something to the idea that you may have now Pissed upset him, him and his his agent down the road. Right? Um, we saw that. A li- I mean, very different situations. We saw that with Gordon Hayward and the Jazz, mm-hmm. where he signed a, a three and one with with Charlotte. In restricted free agency, they obviously matched, and then years later, he was like, "Yeah, I don't really feel this anymore." You know, I, I don't feel a whole lot of loyalty to you. Um, and so, I think also Aiton's good. Like you're right, he's gone through these stretches. He obviously had this the suspension in year two. He's gone through these these kind of roller coaster stretches. But I, what we saw to him in the playoffs, yeah. If he like, if he's close to that moving forward in the next few years, it more than justifies a max deal for him. He, he's He's an exceptional young big man that probably gets a little too much scrutiny because of who went after him in the draft. Where, as you just look at his game and his production and and what he's how he's grown defensively, like that's a max center to me. So I I wouldn't blink, you know, I wouldn't blink when it comes to to maxing him out. Bridges, if I'm Bridges and his agent, I'm saying you need to keep this core together. You guys haven't been any good, you know, prior to this last season. You have to keep this together. Max me out. Plus, I can like he could go somewhere and, and average eighteen to twenty points per game relatively efficiently, right? And be a probably not as good a defender as he's been because there's only so much energy you have. But he'd still be one of the better defenders in in the league, especially on the wings. Um, I think what you're probably going to see is what just happened with John Collins in Atlanta, right? Yeah. Where the Suns say, "Hey, we've got like eighty million dollars for you, hundred, you know, ninety million dollars for you. Like, how, here's here's an extension." And his his camp goes no we'd like to be maxed out or somewhere closer to that they go through the season they go into restrictive free agency and it doesn't even come down to an offer sheet it's just we've worked out a deal for you for you know five years 120 million or 125 million somewhere in that range right and so you get the benefit of no no max but you're still paying him more than you wanted to that's what i what i would guess is going to happen i would i'm a huge mikhail bridges fan i thought that was the steal of the draft when when they acquired him Mm -hmm. from philly i thought it was a huge mistake by philly because i just he was so good in college, and he's so good in the NBA. And you see what he does every single night to to everyone going against him. Like I just, I feel like with Bridges, it's not ideal to pay a guy like that the max. I also think he could justify a max deal in that first extension. After that, no, I wouldn't want to pay him that. But that first extension, um, yeah, yeah, like I think he's, I think he's worth twenty five to thirty million dollars a year. Yeah, no, we love him here for sure. Uh, absolutely. It is going to be interesting to see how the Suns play this because that is huge luxury tax implications. Oh, if you huge! Pay both yeah, guys, the max. And it's um, not just the interesting money, right? and a wrinkle. It, you it, go yeah. ahead. Oh, I was going to say, sorry, it's, it's not just the money either. It's the restrictions that come after it too, with how yeah. you can acquire guys and everything. Like it really does bog you down. But I mean, if you're if you're a team looking to contend every year, you need Mikael Bridges. Well, if they're going to go all in for the next couple of years, uh, while Chris Paul is as healthy as he's he's obviously going to be um i think you got to do something like that i don't know mm-hmm. I, I, would, I would we would all love it if bridges would just be 
thrilled with something a little less. Yeah, uh, but the, <laughs> the interesting wrinkle on on Mikel Bridges for an extension. So overall, rookie extensions. Uh, if you do the extension a year ahead of time, and I'm almost positive because I checked with both Bobby Marks and Keith Smith, and if I and, unless I misunderstood those guys, um, as an extension, the only time you can go five years is if you max them. Otherwise, it's a four-year, a year early extension, right. like the Suns did with for Suns fans, the Morris brothers and and Eric Bledsoe, actually not Eric Bledsoe, but the Morris brothers. Sorry, um, Eric Bledsoe is the example of the other side. Whereas if Mikel Bridges waits until next summer, he can get a five-year at any rate, like yep. John Collins did this spring yep. F, as a restricted free agent. So. The Suns cannot even, unless they give Mikel Bridges a max, cannot get him five full years under contract. Right. It is quite possible that the Suns will be like, you know, if you want five years, let's just wait till next spring and we'll do it because we already got to give five to Aiden. The possible downside of that is if Mikel Bridges does have a pissed off bone in his body, which he doesn't appear to have any of that, um, any of that vengefulness in his body. Uh, but if he does have that, he could hold that against the Suns that they extended Aiton, for example, to the max, but then left him dangling for a year to have to play well one more year before he gets that extension that Aiton already got right. for uh, not playing as, I mean, obviously, I think Aiden was more impactful in the playoffs. I, I don't even think that's a think. I think it's a no. Yeah, um, was more impactful in the playoffs, but Mikel Bridges has been more impactful for three years. So it's going to be interesting seeing how this plays out and all I'm doing is crossing my fingers that they don't pull another Joe Johnson, which is um, probably you're too young. I don't know if you were too young for this, but man, they pissed off Sarver. (laughs) It was his first summer. Now what's really interesting. There's some parallels here and I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent. There's some parallels from the summer to the summer of 2004. They brought in Steve Nash. They spent big money on Quentin Richardson. So the Mm -hmm. huge money in free agency. Uh, they were looking at a max extension for Amari Stoudemire already. Um, Sean Marion had recently gotten a huge extension. So they had all this money committed. And then you got little Do- Joe Johnson, who at the time was one of the most unproductive 21-year-old starting guards yeah. in the league <laughs> yeah. in the 03-04 season. He really was. I mean, the dude got 40 minutes a game and still just scored 17, something like that. Like he was basically... Hey, you got to show me a little bit. So Sarver and him, they, they, his camp disagreed on about a million dollars a year. He goes out and kills in the 0405 season, then walks away demand and getting a max contract. Mm-hmm. We got to hope that it, that doesn't happen with Mikel Bridges. Mikel Bridges is already better than Joe Johnson ever was at this point in their careers, but um, it's, it's going to be tough. And, and, and none, no Suns fan is a hundred percent in, uh, um, uh, happy with what they think will happen with Robert Sarver. So, so far, so good. Knock on wood. They've done everything they need to do. Let's yeah. hope they continue it. Um, okay. Next question. The Suns uh, traded out of the draft this year. Totally. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we, as we already talked about, they even are using their two-way spot for a veteran who's 25. Um, the youngest guy they have on the team is DeAndre Aiden at 23. Everyone else is 25 or older now. Um, what do you think of the Suns skipping out on youth? Do you think that's a bad sign, or you think it's necessary? Um, I don't think it's a bad sign this year, right? I think you, I think it's fine to be out of the draft. I do think this was a deep draft, like into like the 
40 45 range where you could get a really a really nice player who could be productive who could be on a two-way and you know in and out of the of the you know top top part of the organization and going back to the g league but um but i i i think it's fine for now i think it's the the problem is if it becomes like a trend again with the suns right yeah like 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 it was in that same era exactly right and and you hope that that was just Robert Sarver being a new owner, not understanding the value of certain things, worrying about all this money up front. And you hope that now, you know, almost 20 years later, that you have that he has the understanding of what it takes. He's learned from the mistakes, and then that's not the thing moving forward for them. So, like this may this this might look a little worse in this draft for trading out of it, um, because because again, it was deep with role players. But as long as they don't do it next year um unless the move unless the move to trade out of it brings them an important piece like then then it's fine but um but yeah you just don't want to see that trend multiple years yeah multiple years yeah uh before anyone uh flames me here uh they do have jalen smith who's 21 years old he just turned 21 the reason i don't really consider him part of the young guys is he's been dangled for trade in trade talks for guys like that young and all that all summer so i'm not convinced he's going to be with the team this next year and from what we saw in summer league he made all summer league um and he's high motor great rebounder and traffic all that he's got a lot of issues with scoring and 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 uh his in the paint sorry against against resistance and uh, he's just kind of skinny for the league so we'll see what happens with him but he is another young guy that they that that james jones has said he's kind of like our first round pick this year because he had no training camp no yeah. summer league no nothing this past year so he was kind of a red shirt okay uh now i i think you already answered my next question um, do you see and uh, do you see Devin Booker as an all NBA guard this year? Um, I think he'll be in the running for, I think it's just tough to know, like there's six of them. Right. And there's like yeah. 12 guys who are worthy every single year. And so, yeah. um, I think like, as long as he's healthy, I think so. It, it's a little tough because Chris Paul does take some of those votes away, um, off his own team, but like, yeah, like I, I mean, it's also like how they classify like they call him Luca guard or a forward, you know, like that kind of mm-hmm. muddle some things. I wish they would just 15 guys. Here's your 15 all NBA players and not, not leave it up to positions. Cause then I think you'd be a lock. Like, I think I don't, I don't think it, there's any skepticism if they just say top, you know, here's the top 15 guys from this year. Um, but, but yeah, like I would say like 80% sure he'll make all NBA. Okay. Thank you. And you did say early in the podcast here that you voted for him this year. Yeah, I voted for him this past year. Yeah, that's great. You also voted for Chris Paul, or did you have to make the choice? I'm, let me double check. I'm pretty sure I voted for both of them. Um, some of the uh, some of the guys were saying or uh, who were doing votes were saying they had to choose between the two, so I didn't know. Yeah, um, I got it right here. Or do I? Maybe I don't. Maybe this is bad podcasting. Me trying to look something up. No, it's okay. It. <laughs> That's all right. Don't worry about it. Um, Devin Booker, All NBA, say eighty percent chance. Now, here's about the opposite argument. I'm um, uh, sorry, the opposite situation. DeAndre Ayton. Mm-hmm. Um, he, if you put him, is he one of the top fifteen players in the game potentially this year? I would say absolutely not. Uh, just he just isn't. But because of the positional requirements on All NBA being that there's going to be three centers named unless right. they change the rules before the season starts. Um, what do you say are the chances Aiton becomes considered a top three center and makes all NBA in the next couple of years? 
in the next couple of years, yeah, I think if you put it like in the next three years, I think there's a there's a decent chance of it. Next year, like it's just it, you know, you can pencil in Jokic and Embiid, and then you do have some very talented centers out there, and, and even like some up and coming guys like a Bam Adebayo. If the Heat have a really good year and he's as good as I think a lot of us think he is, like Bam could be in the running for that. Um, if the well, never. I was gonna say if the Wolves ever get their stuff together, Carl Anthony Towns could be back in the mix. They're not gonna get their stuff together, that, so we don't have yeah. to worry about that. Um, you know, uh, like there's there's just a the the center position is a lot deeper than I think people give it credit for, and so like Aiton is on his way, but yeah, he's gonna need to be a lot more consistent. Them winning so much helps. Um, them yeah. being such a good team definitely helps because the wins do tend to matter in a lot of that voting but yeah like i would say within the next three years i would expect him to to be in the like seriously be in the running for at least that third team and i just awesome. double checked i did vote for chris paul and devin booker right on NBA, man so yeah. all right you're new you're the new uh favorite <laughs> we'll see how that goes <laughs> i don't know if that's, <laughs> i don't know if that'll hold but i'll take it for right now completely fixed your <laughs> reputation this is awesome <laughs> I did uh, uh, Chris Chris Paul's second team and Devin Booker third team just to for full. There we uh, go. Okay, disclosure. you've at least surpassed Almin Al Hassan. Oh yeah, as, oh, you right. know, on the on the tier of, not, of Suns fans. Not hard to do either. By the way. <laughs> surpassed him. Not hard to do. <laughs> okay, final question for you. Yeah, <clears throat> are the Suns still contenders, considering the potential for uh, internal improvement among the younger guys? Are the Suns still contenders if Chris Paul plays less than? all NBA level. Yes, because I don't think you need him to, to carry that team, right? Because because Book is so good and because uh, I mean maybe I'm just two in the bag for Bridges. I think Bridges can do more, uh, you know, campaign mm-hmm. is is you know very solid as a backup point guard to where if Chris missed 20 games, I think you could expect Cam to come in there start and for them, you know, depending on what the schedule is, like for them to not have this dramatic drop off to where you're like, Oh my God, the season is, is tanking. You know, I, th- I think they fixed those, those issues within that team, knowing how to win. Um, you probably need him to be that in the playoffs, even though we just saw him kind of in and out of effectiveness because of injuries this last time. I don't think you can expect that to hold year after year. So I think you need him to be all NBA level in the postseason. That's also just because it's the West, and that's how that's how the West tends to be in the in the playoffs. So I think regular season it's fine. I don't think you need him to have this amazing season, but yeah, when it gets to the postseason, like it's it's all hands on deck. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Zach. Oh, for uh, sure. Tell yeah. us, tell everyone where we can find you at Talk Hoops on any of the social platforms that matter. You can read at the Athletic. Um, We've got a lot of good stuff coming out for uh, for the season previews and for coverage this season. Um, it'll be a lot of fun that I think I think you guys will like. Uh, SiriusXM NBA Radio, um, SiriusXM Mad Dog Sports Radio Friday nights with Amin Al Hassan. It's, it's me and Amin basically just talking football. I will say this somehow, and I don't know how this has happened. Amin Al Hassan has become a phenomenal prop bets guy for the NFL, like <laughs> phenomenal. Really? Where we were giving out prop bets that he was bringing to the show last season and it hit on like probably like 60 to 65%. Week 1 of the NFL season this year, 4 for 4. He was 4 for 4 in week 1 on prop bets and so look, we don't give them out anywhere other than than this radio show. It's 8:45 Pacific time Friday nights on Mad Dog Sports Radio when we give out those prop bets. If you want to potentially make yep. money based off his his recommendations like 
that would be the place to do it. And then if you want to hear us just yell at each other about movies, Cinephobe is the podcast. Yeah, I love the Cinephobe podcast. Uh, Thank you. For sure. And definitely, you know what? Um, uh, betting, sports betting actually just finally became legal last right. Thursday That's, in Arizona. Yeah, we, had a, we had a caller call in saying that, that you know, yeah. there was like a, I, is there at the at Chase Field, is there like a, like a bookie now or something at, like that. Um, the new Suns Arena. It's called Footprint Suns Center yeah. now for some reason. But Footprint Center. Um, We're just not going to have a good name for this arena, are we? Like Walking oh, Stick and, or Talking Stick Let's or whatever it was. Foot. And, yeah, it's meet at the foot. foot. Actually, meet at the foot. Funny. You know, I don't hate that. If you just the foot. If you, yeah, if you meet at yeah. the foot, it's Let's not good, but down. I don't hate it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, there's a there's a um, uh, there's a sports bet sports book there at the arena. Um, we, this podcast is, is sponsored by DraftKings, and, uh, you, all you got to do is bet a dollar and you get 200 bucks in free bets instantly. Ooh, wow. So use Amin's even, no matter what you think of Amin as no a matter fan, what I'm use telling his you, prop bets I and go for it this weekend, 15 hours a week for work minimum, right? I cannot stand Amin. He drives me insane. <laughs> and yet he is making us money with these prop bets. So every, every Friday night, 845 Pacific time. There you go. Hey, do me a favor. Tell him hi for me. I haven't talked I to will. him lately because we've been um, because of all the COVID and all that stuff. Sure. Um, so you can find me. My name is Dave King NBA. Uh, well, my at is Dave King NBA on Twitter. Um, all my work is at brightsideofthesun.com, my written work, and of course, this podcast. So thank you very much, Zach. I appreciate your time today, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's fun. And thank you for coming and listening to the show today, folks. I appreciate you finding me on this new feed. If you like what you heard today and on other episodes, share this pod with your friends. Not everybody has found the new solar panel feed. We get fresh national and local guests every episode at least once a week, if not twice or three times. And before you go today, right now, please make sure you're subscribed or following and getting notifications when new episodes are released. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, I'd really appreciate a five-star rating and a review if you have got the time. But at least that rating, that would really help me rebuild. Thank you. Talk to you next time.